Welcome back to Drag Time with Heclina. We're so happy to have you on this recent installment. First, thank you for tuning in and telling everybody about our show. One thing that helps us grow our show is when you rate us and create reviews on Apple Podcasts. It's working. We have tons of five-star reviews. And one little asshole made a one-star review. I wonder, Rue, it was. If you would like to help uh, your local bars, and this is going out to the people in San Francisco and the Bay Area, I'm doing two fundraisers for SF Oasis this coming weekend. Uh, July 24th, I am doing Meals on Heels, where you can order fabulous food and cocktails from Oasis, and Heclina herself will deliver them to your door, uh, and I'll do a lip sync for you, a uh, socially distant lip sync, of course, on the sidewalk, but you can watch and, of course, tip me, <laughs> and uh, the money will go towards keeping SF Oasis open. So please go to the SF Oasis uh, Facebook page to order the Heclina delivery for Meals on heels. Then this coming Saturday, uh, July 25th, it's our final Golden Girls live script reading. That is your favorite Golden Girls. We'll be doing a script reading from the comfort of our homes and it will benefit, of course, SF Oasis. So thank you for being a friend. You can go to rushtix.com to get your tickets for the live Golden Girls script reading. Thank you so much. This guest is somebody very special to me. I've known her, wow, for a really, really long time. She used to be my upstairs neighbor uh, at a seedy apartment complex in San Francisco. And she moved to New York, and she was in a little band called Scissor Sisters. And now she works for the BBC. She's very posh. And uh, I, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad we, uh, I'm glad glad we I could nail her down for this podcast. Please welcome the legendary Anna Matronic. Hello, Hi. darling. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm good. It's so nice to speak to you. It's good to speak to you. Where are you? You're in New York, obviously. I'm in New York. I'm in Brooklyn, yeah. Okay. So you uh, got out of the UK just in time to go quarantine. Is that right? Yeah. It was uh, It was really weird. It was kind of like up in the air. Um, I did my show and I was supposed to come back the next day. And, um, and also, it, I also had some weird weirdness ha- happened. My mom passed away um, at the beginning gonna, yeah. of March. And so I was originally scheduled to come back to New York. And then uh, that was Sunday night. And then on Monday morning, get on a plane and go to Seattle. Um, and there was, a, there was a, a, a point in London where I was on the phone with my husband and he, was, he said, should should you maybe stay there? Because if they want you to continue to do your show, maybe you should stay there. Uh, and because of all of the extenuating circumstances with my mom, uh, they told me to go home. So I came home and it was like, <laughs> you know, uh, oh, goodness. desolate at JFK. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I, I arrived uh, it was after midnight when I arrived. Uh, so I had missed the pandemonium, luckily. Um, and then, yeah, just kind of came straight home and went into quarantine. Uh, did you, I'm sorry, did, did you end up having a, uh, a celebration for your mother? I mean, uh, not a celebration, but you know what I mean? A, a service or? No, no, we haven't yeah. done that yet. We're, we'll figure out when we can do that. I'm so I was so sad to hear about your mom because um, I, I know you guys were really close. Yeah, 
Yeah, and we were was, really close. And she came to T-Shack a, a no, couple I remember. of times. Uh-huh. I remember. I remember. Mama Matronic. <laughs> Mama Matronic. And she came on um, <laughs> plastic surgery disaster night. Wow. <laughs> Damn. That was the great part about Tranny Shack was that you could do any kind of weird thing and people would just come out for it. You know what I mean? You really could. It was great. <laughs> you really could. I mean... I, I think the first night I hosted was Le Club Plastique. That was oh, the theme. Don't you remember? <laughs> don't you remember we uh, remember we went and rounded up all these mannequins? Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I, you and uh, you and Darlin helped me carry them from that's somewhere right. else. Yeah. Oh my god, I love that. <laughs> I love that. And Nagel Night. That was a good one too. Yes, there were so many good ones. Well, obviously, um, obviously, I've been walking down memory lane because the stud. Uh, uh, you know, ugh, the stud closed down, and so people have been. People have been. I, I don't know if you're like me, but I, I don't. I don't tend to really be too nostalgic. But I have been. You know, here I've been in my quarantine, uh, and I've been looking at all these old photos, and uh, yeah, it does make me kind of misty-eyed. Uh, yeah, the ice. The ice around my heart melts a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> Those were good times. They were really good times. It, yeah. I always consider. I always think of it as like my performance college because it was. It was. It was basically every week we, you know, we'd get the flyer for the month and we'd have our assignments. It would be. It would be like okay, <laughs> okay. So we've got this theme coming up and this theme coming up, and then oh god, oh god, oh my god, oh my god, how many numbers am I gonna do? Those yeah. were the real challenges. Like that should be in RuPaul's Drag Race, you know, just the real challenge is how exactly. to how to put an outfit together when you're getting paid ten dollars by Hecklina. The joke always was we paid all this money for our outfits and only got paid ten dollars, and so right. that, at least we got you know cab fare home. <laughs> but uh, well, well, you know, by, by the time Tranny Shack ended, people were getting paid a whopping forty dollars. I know, and and great. And that became the standard. That's still the standard. Like that was ten years ago. That's still what people in San Francisco are getting paid it's, for, you for know. a drag number. Well, whatever. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. You were my upstairs neighbor, and we lived in the Tenderloin, and we were living yeah. the real city life. And then um, you went to New York. Uh, I think we went to New York together, and then you just stayed, or or did you come back and then go back? I, uh, yeah, I went, I went to visit my friends. You and I went on a, mm. on a trip and then I went to, uh, to see my friends, uh, Michael Lala, who I used to perform with at, at right. T-Shack and, mm. uh, Astro You Barry. won't say, you won't say the actual term, will you? Well, I will. I will. <laughs> I will. Well, see, I just don't, you know. I no, Well, you know, I, I know. Well, the, the thing is, I, I don't say that word anymore, except yeah. I don't want to call tranny shack T-shack. I, I don't know. That's I, the one I thing. Do, yeah. I do it in mixed company just because, sure. you know, but I'll call it tranny shack <laughs> with you. You don't, you don't have to. I was just, I would, I was just teasing. <laughs> but yeah, go ahead. So you went to New York. I, uh, yeah, I went to New York and uh, my friend Benjamin had a, had a job that he loved and he was getting ready to give his two week notice because he was moving to Tokyo for a spell. Mm. And so, uh, I, you know, I knew that that New York was a goal at some point, and uh, the his boss said, "Please tell me you have somebody you can recommend." And it's funny because when Benjamin moved to New York, he 
he gave me his job in San Francisco. Oh wow! Um, that job at Zia Natural Skincare, um, and uh, and so Benjamin was said to his boss, "I do, I do. My friend is here, and she she wants to move to New York. Uh, if she had a reason, um, she she'd probably move faster." And, uh, and I was there for, I was there for like 10 days or almost two weeks. And so, um, Benjamin said, what do you think about going in and meeting with this guy? And so I did, uh, we had a really nice interview and he offered me a job on the spot. And it was, uh, one of those things where I just thought I, this is, this is never going to be more perfect. I'm never going to have, you know, the red carpet rolled out as I am like this. This is, you know, if ever right. there was a sign from the universe, it's this. So, uh, so yeah, so Jay, uh, who was my boss, uh, and I worked out a plan and I, yeah, it was like four weeks and I moved to, moved to New York. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it wasn't easy at first, right? It was no. kind of a, yeah, yeah. Well, it's well, not, it's not an easy place to live. I mean, that's the thing. I always say San Francisco is a city that was made to live and New York is a city that was made to work. And right. it's, it's a tough, it's a tough slog. And you worked. <laughs> um, so I was trying to be queenie there, but it didn't work. Uh, so, uh, worked. so, Okay, I'm, I'm not going to go too deep into this. We all know that uh, you were performing at Slipper Room yeah. and uh, Jake, let's, let's just call him Jake. So it was kind of like Lana Turner at Schwab's. He was like, get me that girl. <laughs> is, that, like that. is that something like that? And I remember I was in San Francisco and I was talking to you like we used to do. Remember when people talked on the telephone? Yeah. And, uh, and you were like, oh, you're like, oh, I just joined this band Scissor Sisters. And I was like, Whatever you know. <laughs> no, I was like, I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then, of course, really quickly, you guys performed at Tranny Shack, and then within a year, you were performing at these huge venues. And yeah, I mean, do you do you do you reminisce about those times? Or? Oh yeah, definitely. And I, the beginning of the band really was kind of the the most exciting and the best, and and. Uh, uh, yeah, and and uh, I do, I do, I, I those, and and it was always, it, yeah. I mean, of course, we had great yeah. times, and I, you know, we had uh, incredible shows that that were, you know, just it, to play in at that level and to that many people, and you know. I'm fucking met Faye Dunaway at Live Eight, you know, like yeah. so many crazy things happened you, you, on account of it. Um, yeah, I, of course. I don't think I don't think people. Uh, I mean, I don't think people in the states realize, or I mean, uh, not everybody realizes that you guys were like the Beatles over there in the UK. <laughs> we, uh, we had yeah. the highest selling album in 2004 in uh, yeah. in the UK. Yeah, it's amazing. And uh, but, you know, I, I would I would check in on you and talk to you occasionally. And at some point you were always touring. Yeah. And uh, two memories stick out that you told me. One, you told me that no matter whether they're gay or straight, when you're the only woman around a bunch of men, all they ever talk about is poop and they fart a lot and stuff. Poop and, and sex. <laughs> poop and sex. <laughs> poop and sex. It's so, like it's it's either about pooping or coming. It's like, yeah. oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, fart, and, and farts are always funny. 
Yeah, always, always. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. And Lots of <laughs> humor. And, um, and that was, that really, there was a moment we were going to Montreux, Switzerland to play the Montreux Jazz Festival. Uh, and uh, I got up and I, I had been the only woman on tour for about 14 months at this point. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I got up and went into the back room lounge and all the gay boys were sitting there talking about sex and poo. And then I went downstairs and all the straight boys were talking about sex and poo. And um, (laughs) I just looked at the, at the tour manager and I just said, get me a woman. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't care. I don't care if I have anything in common with her. Just please just one. And, and, um, and actually what was great is after that, we, uh, had a spot open up because we got big enough to have merch, uh, travel with us and sell with us. So our first merch person was Christy Love. Oh, I remember Christy. (laughs) Uh Christy. And she's one of my dear, dear friends. So having her on the road was really great. Uh, and then we had Amy Fierce, who was in the management. So Mm -hmm. after that, we always had women on tour and then a really amazing, uh, backup singers, Chrissy Poland and Bridget Barkin, who are oh, just yeah. the sweetest, sweetest ladies. They're so fabulous. That was later on, right? Yeah. Like when, when you guys were doing uh, Let's Have a Kiki and yes. stuff. Correct. Yes. Um, the other thing I remember is like occasionally, yeah, I would check in with you. And one time you called me from Swindon, England. I don't even know where the <laughs> fuck that is. I can't believe <laughs> and, you remember uh, that. I, I, I remember really random things, but you told me at some point it was kind of like, <clears throat> you know, the mechanical monkey that you wind up and it claps yep. the uh, the symbols together. Yes. Like, yes. is that what it felt like every yes. night? Kind of like surreal, like where the hell am I tonight? Well, and also you, yeah, it does. If it, There's a very much a Groundhog Day feel to it, especially when you, well, n- yeah, um, because you... Uh, you wake up in a tour bus and your bed is, you know, a little coffin sized, right? you know, very claustrophobic, uh, bunk and you wake up and you're most likely behind a venue. Um, and, uh, you have to wait for the venue to open, um, for Mm. you to take a shower or whatever. Um, and you know, maybe you go find some breakfast or you just rustle up something from the tour bus fridge Mm -hmm. uh and then you go in and you wait for sound check and then uh maybe you have some dinner and then you put on your makeup and then you warm up and then you uh do a show and then you take off your makeup and (laughs) go to bed and then you do it all over again and um and we had such a um there's a there's a really weird there's a point when and you know this because you have been a show person there's a point where it becomes the thing that you love to do and and aspire to do and every gig is special and everything uh it turns into the thing that you have to do and then it becomes the job and it doesn't matter uh, if I am on my period or fighting with mm. my boyfriend or whatever mm. and don't feel like doing it and you know right. doing a show is the last thing I want to do and it doesn't matter I still have to do it because that's my job that kind of happened with me uh, with Oasis because I, yeah. I said I said if I am going to you know the deal was if if we started Oasis they said would you start a weekly drag show again and it was the last thing I wanted to do which yeah. in, in, in hindsight, 
you should never do it if you're if if from the beginning you're like I don't want to do this. Yeah. So uh, so that was like almost five years of that, and I was really not only did I not want to be there, I hated it. So okay. it's like you know what I mean, <laughs> and that that's that's not a good thing to to no. you know to be doing. But um, yeah, so you had a you were on tour constantly, and uh, God, I forgot where I was going to go with this. But basically, is it safe to say? that the chances of Scissor Sisters uh, regrouping and performing again are about as great as you voting for Donald Trump in November? Um, uh, they might be slightly better than, than the odds, <laughs> the odds okay. that I would vote for, vote for Trump, but um, uh, I would say they're slightly better. Where is it all at with you and uh, Baby Daddy and Jake and all that? I... Uh, yeah, you guys. So I, I remember you. You told me that it's kind of like a you know a family or whatever. You've been with them forever, and once you're not working with them, you don't want to see them or talk to them. And, no, you know. Yeah. I mean, do you? You know, are you friends with your old coworkers? All your old coworkers? You know, it's uh, that. It's that kind yeah. of relate. It turns into that kind of relationship. It's like, oh, you again. Right. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> Um, I, I speak to, to Dell and Patty the most, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of Jake and baby daddy only when there's business. Right. Uh, but that, that was kind of how, how, uh, the last two years of the band were anyway. <laughs> what was your number one? Okay. I guess I have a lot of memories of things you told me. One time yeah. you told me you were you were backstage somewhere and you were putting on your makeup and yeah. you look up and you look up in the mirror and Bono walked into the room. Yeah. So you have you had a lot of surreal <laughs> memories. You, you, had, you had a lot of weird, yeah. a weird, a lot of weird memories like that. Who yeah. was your number? Who was your number one person that you met? I have a or, really good story that I don't think I've told anyone. Well, the number one person of of all time is Carol Channing, but that doesn't have anything to do with the band because Carol Channing is the ultimate yes. number one everything of all time. Mm-hmm. But um, we had this insane show in Paris where it was – I don't know what had happened if there was air conditioning. It had broken, but it was July and um, – the night before oh, we had played in Denmark at this festival where it was just so it was just a deluge. The whole thing was rained out and it was just raining so hard. And we went Jake and I went out in the rain. We're like, there's there's no way we're we're gonna stay under this cover. And so we just got soaked. And then the next we fly to did we fly or did we oh no, I think we drove. I think it was it was short enough that we drove. We had Paris the next day and, um, and, and it was so hot on stage. It was like, it was like going, like passing through a membrane going on. Oh my God. It was like, I had these lace gloves on and and all of a sudden it felt like they were going to like suture to my, to my skin. And I was just like, I have to take these off. Ah." (laughs) It was just awful. And, um, everything felt like, you know, you were underwater. And then I finally, a song comes up that I, I play mostly tambourine on and I'm like, Oh, I can take a break. Nope. Like that is actually worse. Like, Oh my God, I hate this. I hate everything about this anyway. And, uh, just so happened that Jane Fonda was in the crowd uh, because Jake had 
somehow struck up a friendship with him. This was one thing that he did is he acquired fabulous people. And, um, and so I, after the show, I'm, you know, sitting by a window trying to get my, catch my breath and, uh, you know, take off my soaked clothes and everything. And I'm just kind of like pacing back and forth. And then I see Jane Fonda come up the stairs and she, and she says to me, she sees me and she's like, oh, you, Geraldine <laughs> Chaplin is obsessed with you. And I was, oh. like, I was like, what? Geraldine <laughs> Chaplin was here? And she's like, she was here. She had to leave because she was so hot. She was, you were wonderful. And then she like takes off and I'm like, what Whoa. the fuck just happened? Um, yeah. So that was my Jane Fonda encounter. Um, you know, Jake's is far more fabulous and long-term than mine, but, um, yeah, that's what happened. Uh, Cher yeah. came to a show. Uh, yeah. Live eight happened. Live eight yeah. was crazy. And, uh, you know, that was like a hundred thousand people in Hyde Park. And you performed in front of the Liz Taylor too. No, we did not perform in front of the Liz Taylor. Oh, I, I thought you said she was at some AIDS, some Elton no, no, John no. party. No, uh, no, no, uh, no, not to my knowledge. She, oh, okay. No, um, but uh, Faye Dunaway was at Live Eight. Whoa. And, <laughs> and um, that was a fucking story. So um, I see, I see this woman talking very animatedly to Jake. And his eyes are huge. So I know it's someone fancy because that's the way he would get, you know, like dazzled and dazzled and frazzled. And um, and Neil, our manager at the time, was like, Anna, who, who is that? I know I'm supposed to recognize this woman and I, I'm having a hard time placing her. And, and so I like, I like, you know, saunter over and just like catch a glimpse. And I'm like, holy shit and i'm like neil you fucking idiot that's mommy dearest and <laughs> oh my um, god <laughs> and uh he's like oh my god and um jake sees me at that point and he he's like oh anna you have to meet and as soon as he says that she turns around with that look that you oh. know that look <sighs> yeah, of course and she's like uh, i love you <laughs> like, oh, oh my, my god, god. hi <laughs> It's a she bit said, much, isn't it? Yeah. And she said, I have a part in a movie for you. <gasps> I am not kidding you. That was her, the second thing that Faye Dunaway said to me. Oh, my God. I was like, it's so nice to meet you. And then the third thing she said to me was, I love your music. I heard about you from the Sultan of Brunei. Have you met the Sultan of Brunei? And then she turns. <laughs> and then she like oh gestures over to this young man and it's the Sultan of Brunei. It oh, was wow. that was one of the weirdest days ever. I mean, I met Madonna that day, Robbie Williams, uh, Ian McKellen, Paul McCartney asked me for my autograph that day. That was fucking oh, weird. Oh my god! That was fucking weird. A Beatle wow. asked me for my autograph. That is a mind fuck. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah. Uh, well, speaking of Faye Dunaway, I, I gotta say, I think it was only a year ago. I was following all that, all that. Uh, oh yeah. Oh my god. All that drama. <laughs> I know. About about her being fired. I'm sorry, what what did she get fired from again? It was a play of some kind. 
as I recall. It was a it was a live it was a live production. <laughs> okay. And she had to keep being fed the lines, I think, with through an earpiece. Uh-huh. And That's uh, right. and couldn't improvise and was uh just relatively unpleasant to work with. So they're yeah. like Yeah. It was a play called Tea at Five. Tea oh, at God. Five. Okay, well, I, I mean, just the backstage stories were amazing. I, I was actually on tour at the time, and we were uh, regaling each other with all these crazy stories about her. Yeah. So, um, oh, she's a well, trip, and she came to a show once too, and uh, and then yeah, and and then I auditioned for her, and it was so weird. <laughs> it was such a strange thing. I was like, I'm just so happy I'm not an actor. I got a glimpse into like you know what act actor life is in in New York. And I was like, "Uh uh-uh, no, this is not for me. Was she kind of doing those lines from Amy Dearest? That's good, Tina, but you have to... You have to dive into the pool and straighten. Was, was she giving you those kind of tips? No, I or? wasn't. I wasn't auditioning for Mommy Dearest. I was. <laughs> I was actually auditioning, and you're you're going to love this. Uh, it, it was a film version of Terrence McNally's Masterclass, and she was playing Maria Callas. Oh, and she wanted me to play one of the opera singers. And weirdly enough, one of the the, the characters she wanted me to play is Cuban. I'm like, I are you are oh. you sure? Are you sure I should play a Cuban person? But I don't I, think you I, can do that anymore. No, you can't right? do that anymore. Yeah. I certainly yeah. can't do that. Um, right. <laughs> and now, um, mm. and so yeah, so I I read I read for her. And uh, it was really strange. And then nothing really happened after that. Uh, she mm. came to a scissor show. And that was great. That was great. Like, you know, have my friends over and then you deliver Faye Dunaway to them. <laughs> wow. Like, oh, my God, what is happening? That's yeah. quite a coup. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, it was just amazing to watch all this stuff you were doing with the band. And, you know, I got to say, I, I admired you and I also admired Scooter for doing the thing where you're like, you give up on uh, San Francisco, which you know and you're comfortable with, and you just jump into the belly of the beast. And you both, you know, I've had friends move to New York City and it did not go well. And uh, and so I was, uh, you know, it was great to see Two of my friends really thrive there. And you're, you're, uh, you're, you have another career uh, with the BBC now. So you, you live, I, I mean, when there isn't a global pandemic, you <laughs> you spend you spend the majority of your time in the UK working on your BBC radio show, which is two hours of music from across the dance music spectrum. Is it mostly dance music? Yeah, it's called Dance Devotion. So it's uh-huh. it's anything. It uh, the the. Th- the motto is we'll dance to anything. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, but the, the focus is on nineties and early noughties, uh, dance music and, uh, dance music was so huge in the UK. Um, acid house, Chicago house, techno, um, all of that had was so big over there and, and ha- had real crossover success. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, a lot of what I play, um, is, is you know has has been on the the pop charts in addition to the to the dance charts and it's crazy just uh the you know the the level of stuff that that was that was popular over there there's such a wide range of things that hit um over there which is great and really explains <laughs> explains the 
success of Scissor Sisters. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, I of course I, I'm a kind of an Anglophile, and I, I would yeah. go over to the I, I would go over to the UK uh, a lot. And I, I remember you know early '90s t- doing ecstasy at the Fridge in Brixton. Oh, yeah. But Fuck, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. What was I going to say? God, I'm, that's that's the hard part about getting old. Is you. Uh... Oh, I was going to say you turned me on. This is really strange. You turned me on to uh, Happy Together by the Captain and Tennille. And you, you know who a... turned me on to that is Portia. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, she's a weirdo. She is a weirdo. That's why she. (laughs) (laughs) Can I ask you, because you're obviously an Anglophile and you spend a lot of time there. I, I used to go to gay clubs in the UK all the time and they would, you know, they are really into dance music and they'll post signs outside about the dance music. And one thing I always saw was no handbag. Now, handbag, oh. apparently, what does that mean? Handbag, uh, handbag house. Um, so that's like, ha- I, handbag house, I believe, is is just basically like really basic um, uh, house music. Like, um, like, what's a good example? Black box? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, mm. Yeah, the kind of thing that you would hear like on the Jersey Shore. Oh, um, Jesus. Uh-huh. Yeah. Some of that stuff is uh, some of that stuff is cheesy in a fun way, though, isn't it? Oh yeah, and I mean, fuck yeah, I play that shit. <laughs> you you play handbag. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, every every uh, year at uh, our Christmas show, um, and this is one of the beautiful things about having a show in in Britain. Um, one of my favorite Britishisms is camp as Christmas, which uh-huh. basically means something is really fucking gay. Right, right. Um, so every year our Christmas show is a gay show because <laughs> camp is Christmas. So we just say the campest, most ridiculous stuff. You know, Ethel Merman's disco album. and. Do you think that's a good album, though? I mean, it actually, some of the arrangements are pretty good. It's when she starts singing that it kind of goes south, you know, but, um, uh, some of the arrangements are pretty good. Um, but in a mix, you can get away with it. Sure. So that does actually sound really good in a mix with other things. Every, uh, every track to me starts with that same drum sound yeah. on that album. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where I'm like, oh, this also... Well, whatever. Um, I don't think they spent a lot of time on it. No, anymore. no. Well, I th- yeah, you think? I think she was trying. Do you think she was trying to ca- cash in on the on a trend at the moment? Who wasn't at that point? Exactly. Right? Disco duck, disco duck. You know. All I that mean, stuff. and that's that's what killed disco was was you know pop will eat itself, and that certainly did. It it, it sort of buckled under the weight of its own uh, silliness. Yeah, it would, I mean, yeah, it started out. It started in the clubs, and it went mainstream, and that's what killed it. And then, and then it went back to the clubs. Really, I mean, it didn't die. If you look at some a uh, place like Paradise Garage, which was open from 1977 to 1987, so they they weathered the disco storm and still like played stuff that was very very disco. It just changed because hip hop came along, and suddenly there was technology available to do all this stuff really cheaply, and you didn't need these big giant bands. And people had were were getting more into this electronic thing anyway. And so uh, it, you know, disco just became um, 
Madonna and yeah. and freestyle and high energy and then house. So right. yeah. Uh, so one thing, one thing I always feel bad about is I'm, I'm one of those people who I keep trying to listen to new music because yeah. I don't want to be, I don't want to be an old fart where I'm just like, just yeah. playing, just playing music from like my salad days or what, you know, yeah. from, from when I was younger, but I, I just, I don't, I don't listen to the radio. I mean, I, and I, I, when I do, all I hear is like Lady Gaga or whatever. Yeah. What, can you recommend any new music? Yeah, Instead of sure. retro stuff, what what are you listening to that's new? I really like. Uh, it came out last year, but I really like the new Psych Magic album. Um, it's yeah, they're uh, they're really great, um, and uh, it's very. Uh, you would like it. It's uh, it's kind of a trip hoppy disco psychedelic dance music it's and it's uh kind of mid-tempo most of it's really mid-tempo but it's really beautiful and dreamy um i really like that record and that's one of the records that uh that i listen to beginning to end it's very rare that that you do that in this day and age it's just like put on a record and it goes. Yeah, back in the day, there was always like one record that you could put on all the way through. And that's what they said about Scissor Sisters, the, your debut album. That was the one album you could put on all the way through. Kind yeah. of like D-Light, kind of like World Click by D-Light yeah. or yeah. something like that. People, you, you became the coffee table CD <laughs> of that era. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like everybody had that CD. We, um, were, we were really focused on albums. You know, yeah. we were, we were, we were, you know, all of us really rabid music fans. So al- making a good album was a, was a priority. You know, yeah. It was important. Um, shifting gears a little bit. Animatronic, New York City or London? Uh, oh, God. It's really hard because work is in London. Mm-hmm. But New York is so special. And I'm just so in love with New York. I, I, so, I don't know, just cause I, I, I don't have to choose, but, um, uh, yeah, just cause I have a really fierce house here, New York. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, and, and no, you don't have to choose, but I, I do think it's, it's remarkable how much time you're spending over there in the UK. Yeah. Uh, you're having a tea dance for Pride. You want to tell us about that yeah. on, uh, on June 21st? On June 21st. Uh, so it's actually the second time I've partnered with uh, the Peabody Essex Museum in Salem, Massachusetts. Um, and we did their uh, a Pride party there last year. And uh, I, I spoke with uh, the curator of South Asian art who helped put on the, the show, uh, Siddhartha Shah. And I talked about um, disco and sort of how it it established the the dance culture that we know today, um, and um, and then we had a big disco dance party, uh, and you know, segued into a big gay dance party. We're going to do it again. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna start it at five p.m. on the twenty first. It's a, it's a Sunday. It's also Father's Day. So I, it's funny because now. I had I was the only person I knew when I was young who had a gay parent. Mm-hmm. And now I know more gay parents than I know straight ones. Yeah. And it's really great. And uh 
the idea of putting on a a pride party for Father's Day makes me think of all my friends who are fathers. And this is a, a way for them to share their culture or our culture with their kids. And and uh, I, I don't know, there's something special about it. So um, the first hour or and change is going to be very family friendly, lots of uh, show tunes and and uh, classic you know, diva anthems and things like that. And then we'll move more into um, disco and and house and, you know, your your standard gay anthem fair. Um, mm-hmm. But try and keep it a little unexpected, you know, mm-hmm. not not just any old thing that you can go out and hear on the Castro. Um, and, uh, and then once the sun goes down, because it's with a museum in Salem, we'll get a little witchy um, and bring up some kind of witchy, vibes and dark dance music and some goth classics for uh in honor of the solstice and uh we're asking everyone to put on a look work a look you know something comfortable and can dance in and uh share it with us on social media and uh you can watch us on twitch it's a live stream that begins at five it's all from my house husband seth is doing uh some really cool visual effects FX and setting up um, what's going to look like a nightclub in our living room <laughs> and uh, bring bring some, you know, pride, party, dance, 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 spill the tea, ant work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> work, you heard it there, everybody. June work, 21st. Married. Work, work, work. <laughs> uh, so I, I just want to, you know, we, we touched about it a little bit at the very beginning of the of the show. But, <clears throat> you know, way back in the day, prehistoric uh, days at, yes. uh, at Tranny Shack in the late 90s. As my um, mother would say, back in the dim red dawn of time. <laughs> that's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so... You know, I, I did not come from any kind of drag uh, scene where there was rules. So yeah. when Tranny when, when Tranny Shack started, it was like, get up there, anybody that wants to perform. <clears throat> it didn't really matter about gender. But oh. back back then, um, there wasn't a term like folk queen, which is now considered passe. Yeah. Now, now you say AFAB. Uh, drag queen, or you know, I don't know, whatever. But there, there was oh, right. none of that. I'm female at birth. I was like, I yeah, about that. It's like all all faggots are bastards. No, <laughs> <laughs> all faggots are basic. Yeah, no. uh, but um, but you were just you were just up there. You were duking it out on stage with all these vicious, vicious queens. Yeah, and I, I got to say, you know. Uh, there, there is footage here and there, but you were really amazing up on that stage, and that's what yeah. really counted. It that was, that's what really counted at Tranny Shack yeah. was what you did once you got up there. It didn't matter if you had a pussy or whatever. Yeah, and uh, and what was what also shown through was how much you loved performing. Yeah. Um, now with the Rona, uh, <laughs> you know, of course we can't perform. Like everybody I know is doing these shows, you know, these digital shows, which are yeah. incre- incredibly limiting. Yes. Um, what were you working on before the Rona? Uh, as far as live shows, I know that you were, mm. you, uh, I, I met Amber Martin and she was amazing. And I, I know you did witch camp with her. I, I know that wasn't yeah. recent, but, but what other stuff were you working on live? Uh, Seth, my husband, and I were actually working on an event, um, mm-hmm. a, a, a kind of immersive, immersive DJ live show 
package. Uh, so that's really all the detail I can go into, but that's what we were working on. And so, uh, yeah, we, uh, we had, that's on hold indefinitely. Um, I'm very, very lucky that I have a radio show and I have, uh, that work continuing because every other gig canceled. Oh, Connie, I know it's it's pride and yeah, Yeah. it's pride and everything's, everything is canceled. Now I've got to say here in Palm Springs, I'm I'm coming to you live from Palm Springs. Oh, I love Palm Springs. Oh, it's amazing. But, um, things are opening up here. The restaurants are opening up. I'm actually, I'm actually leaving in a little bit to go see a drag show. Oh, at wow. a bar, at a bar, you know oh what I mean. Oh my god, girl! So, wow. what what's it like in New York? Is it is everything still shut down? Uh, I think things are starting to open up, but I, it's we. You guys did a much better job at the right. at the Rona containment, but mm. um, I think it was just by virtue of the fact that New York is such a hub for travel, sure. um, that. And obviously the density and and the the level on to which people live on top of each other, uh, but um, it's intense right now uh, because things are starting to open up, and every day all over the city there's lots of protests, lots of demonstrations. Oh sure, of I, I went to one at McCarran Park, which was very peaceful, uh, very socially distanced. Uh, New Yorkers are good at that. I will, I will say that people are are quite good at keeping their distance. Mm-hmm. Um, but that really concerns me. Just the amount of people crowding, and I have seen some stuff that looks very crowded. So that makes me uh, concerned. There's just I. I, the w- word I would uh, use to describe the feeling in New York, because the feeling in New York is already there. It's always it's very energetic and palpable. Uh, you don't have to be an empath to feel it, but if you are an empath, it can fuck you up. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, it's really heightened right now. It's just right. like you know you you always want to be alert when you leave your house in New York, but now especially there's just a. There's just a, a yeah heightened sense of a be be on alert. I don't know. It's, it's well, I mean, yeah, I mean, people have been people have been cooped up for months in their houses, yeah. and then they they have this thing, which is basically a lynching mm-hmm. recorded uh, recorded. It's a modern day lynching, and of course, it was a perfect storm, you know, for all yeah. for protests. And uh, you know, I, I I was texting with you the other day because um, <clears throat> I, I I totally get the the rage. I marched on Washington, you know, a few times with ACT yeah. UP and all that stuff. Yeah. I, I feel so far removed from it here. So, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm doing fundraisers and stuff like that. Yeah. That's all I can do. But I love the people that are on the front lines. And Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, it, 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 I, it really does feel like there's a sea change happening. Um, there, there's been already been changes here in New York. Mm-hmm. On a citywide level, um, for uh, police can no longer uh, review their own case material before they put in their statement. Um, so there's uh, there is some reform happening already. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I I feel hopeful, um, but uh, yeah, the NYPD yeah. the NYPD yeah, yeah. is scary. Don't you remember one time? I have all these memories coming up all of a sudden. You know, Giuliani and then Bloomberg—they just fucked up that town. And don't you remember one time we were walking down the street? Yes, 
Oh my we were, god. We were we were smoking a cigarette and yeah. passing it back and forth. Yeah. And up 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 an undercover and a car pulled up and a guy got out. He's like, "Hey, what are you smoking there?" Yeah. And then he saw that we were smoking. It was a Marlboro light yeah. and it looked it looked like a joint from far away. Yeah. And he and he got back in his car and he was he looked so embarrassed and I was like, "Yeah, oh, and there was what? another guy on the street. So I think that guy was like t- had been tailing us or something and he what was like fuck? trying not to show his face. Yeah, yeah. What the I fuck? remember that. It's so funny. You you completely I had not thought about that in mm-hmm. so long. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god well it, it pissed me off because it yeah. was so draconian for a while yeah. it was like shutting down bars for dancing and yeah busting oh busting, god, yeah. Bust, busting people for petty crimes and yeah. it's like ugh, god damn it new york where's the sleaze yeah, you and know. I mean, ain't nothing changed, you know, really. Mm-hmm. Uh the you know, stop and frisk was a was a giant heaping plate of hot steaming bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, there's been there's been a lot of shit that's gone down. Um it uh you know, I when we come back to pride and we come back to the reason why we celebrate at this time of year, we are marking the occasion of an uprising. We are marking Mm -hmm. the occasion of an uprising against police brutality. Uh, And so I think we have to be really conscious of the fact that um, change doesn't really happen uh, without, uh, without a certain amount of uprising. We are, to quote Mark Bolin, the children of the revolution. Oh, shut up. But we are, right? <laughs> you know, it's true. We it's are. true. It's true. I mean, and that's the only way that they made progress with uh, with HIV medications because the government was dragging their ass. And Fuck so yeah. they, 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 Fuck they went Reagan. to the, yeah, they, they went to the Centers for Disease Control and they, they held a die in and they yep. shut down bridges and all this stuff. Oh, and, I was you know. part of them in, in Portland and silence yeah. equals, you know, the act up yeah. silence equals death placards. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we had the Oregon Citizens Alliance, uh, mm-hmm. which was trying to get anti, anti-gay legislation on the, uh, you know, there's, there was stuff on the ballot that people were voting for and they were just a bunch of fucking assholes. You know, I'll add, I don't mind saying so, that um, I got out of the army in 2004 and I was kicked out under Don't Ask, Don't Tell. And it was such a weird time because um, Congress was voting on, you know, overturning Don't Ask, Don't Tell so that people could serve openly, you know, whoever they were. But I was still getting kicked out and I was like one of the last (laughs) people to get kicked out. So I moved to California in like 2004, 2005, whenever your album came out, when the Scissor Sisters album came out. And it was just like to see you all like on like morning television shows with like Jake oh all bare chested and shaking his ass and you looking like so fabulous. And um, I know. Like and the, there's Regis over there. Yeah. And Regis is over there. Right. Who's like my great grandpa <laughs> or whatever. Weird. And I was like, I can't even believe what's happening. Like what's happening to real people. You know, like me, I was just getting kicked out of the army for being queer. But like this hit album and then like you all t- on TV, it was very like. I don't know. It was like, it was setting the scene for like what my liberation as an adult was going to be like, you know? And like, I will say when we all had back in the day, the six track CD or the six CD CD player, you know, like you guys were number one and it was spinning for years in my like little burned (laughs) out Subaru in Long Beach. So (laughs) so for real, for real, you know, like you all were bringing it. You are the children of the revolution and you're Mm. the, you're like in a way, um, 
like you and Heclina and the performers from Tranny Shack and, you know, the people around town in New York and East Village, like the visibility and the love and the music and the dancing has made it all possible. It's made it all possible. And we just yeah. keep going. And we and we have to shout out the people who inspired us because mm-hmm. those are children of the revolution, too. Mm-hmm. I was so inspired by uh, New York City and the the people at Club 57 and Magnuson, a number one inspiration, Joey Arias, Klaus oh, Nomi, yeah. Yeah. Um, Jean-Michel Basquiat, Keith Haring, um, all of those people. And then, you know, you go before that, you've got Sylvester, you've got the Dan, Coquettes, the Coquettes, and- you know, people like mm. Dan Hartman and even the fucking village people, whatever, you know, and, we, and yeah. Queen, you know, those, those were really, um, really transformative times. And, and those artists were so important. Well, yeah, I mean, and and the Warhol scene and every, I mean, there was oh a time, God, when, yeah. there was a there was a time when the whole world just looked to New York for like, what's next? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, we're almost at the end of our podcast. Is there anything yeah. else? We, is there anything else you can think of, Mark, that I've not talked about? Well, we got some pretty good stuff. This is this has been really wonderful. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, so my pleasure. Anytime. Uh, so, animatronic, it's it's meant so much that you've sat down and talked to us tonight <laughs> i really i really am so touched that you that you did this uh i think last time i saw you you were ripping me to shreds at my roast i know and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was really fun that was, that was fun. really fun i had a great i had a great time doing that that was really it was really great it was so nice to meet um jinx that was the first time i've met jinx and uh she's she's such a sweetheart I really like her. I've seen it her a couple times since then. And she's very yeah. talented, yes. So talented. A wit. She's a wit. One of the few from that show that's a <laughs> talent. <laughs> but uh but but uh, we uh, we now, we covered now. We covered that last week with Jackie Beats. So anyway, we mm. won't go down that road. All tea, all shade. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I fucking well, love. I fucking yeah. love Jackie too. God. Basically, basically, the the gist is, you know, the only way you can become a good drag performer is to cut your teeth in clubs for years. Yeah. So the the ones the ones that I knew before, uh, before the show, the the ones that I knew before the show started. Like Alaska, like you know, Jinx, like ben, yeah. they had they had kind of made their made their mark in nightclubs already. So yeah, they they have a presence, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. As as do you, and you know, I, well, I I I really hope one day I can. God, it seems so weird to even think about. Like a few months ago, I was on a cruise ship, and I'm thinking, when can I ever go travel to New York and see people? Again? I know, I know, yeah. I know. It's crazy. I talked to you know, I have a weekly meeting with the BBC um, just to check in and see how everything's going, which is really fun being on a big Zoom meeting with all the presenters of. Uh, of radio too, one of whom is Elaine Page. Oh wow. Who was the original Grisabelle on mm. um, um, the West End and sang memories. Um anyway, so <laughs> anyway. Um it's, <laughs> a, it's it's a really it's a really funny thing. Anyway, uh, but they they don't know if they're opening up fully the BBC yeah. uh facilities um and uh, until next year, really. Yeah. Fully. So I, yeah, I might be out for the rest of the year to just 
sitting here, which is great because uh, I travel so much to have this much time at home is really a luxury. So it's, 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 it's a, it's nice in a way, like, you know, I'm, I'm leaving in a couple of weeks. My bubble is ending. So mm. I, I, I kind of kept enjoying it the more they kept prolonging the shutdown. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's time to get back to reality for me. Yeah. Well, I have honey. a, I have a bit of the shut in ski within me, you know, on a oh, scale sure. of, on a scale of one to little Edie or big Edie, <laughs> I suppose. I'm well, probably it's, it's, about a yeah. six. It's easy for you to say you got a you got a hot guy there with a big penis to keep you happy. <laughs> and uh and yes. you know, and not that I've ever seen it, but I've seen it through a pair of sweats. So I can I can say. You have so, a visual so, memory you know, of every so, penis. So ever it's seen. it's all fine and good for you and you're locked down, Anna. It is. But, it but, is I'm not, very I'm good not for getting me. I'm not getting my dick and I'm bitter. Well, um, <laughs> well, you always titties. were. That's probably why you didn't get the exact, dick in the first place. Instead of it gets better, <laughs> instead of it gets better, it gets bitter. Oh! Oh! I love it. Um, I love well, it. Well, thank you, honey. And I love I'll give you my, so much. Give my love to Mr. Kirby. Um, and um, I am going to be, I don't know if I'm the first to wish you this, but in five days it's your birthday. I know that because uh, I used to be your yearly host. So happy birthday. Happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you. I, I think this will probably air after my birthday, but we're, but we're, I'm still going to keep that song in there. Yeah, good. Right. Do it. All right. <laughs> I love you so much. Love you too. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Big thanks to our special guest, Anna Matronic. Next week, it's Sherry Vine. The episode artwork photograph is by Jose Alberto Guzman Colon. The graphics are by Nancy French. This episode was recorded, edited, and produced by me. I'm Mark. <laughs> <laughs>